The following message was given at Grace Community Church in Minden, Nevada. Uh, If you'll just take your Bibles and just turn to William Carey's text, which is Isaiah chapter 54, verses 1 through 4. We'll read verses 1 through 3, sorry. Isaiah 54, 1 through 3. Shout for joy, O barren one, you who have borne no children. Break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud, you who have not travailed. For the sons of the desolate one will be more numerous than the sons of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Spare not. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your pegs. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your descendants will possess nations and will resettle the desolate cities. And so this is often called uh, William Carey's text, and Carey preached from this text. This is where we get the very famous statement from William, William Carey, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. And uh, in this text... Uh, William Carey pointed out that that there is this desolate one, it's sort of the Sarah imagery, and she ends up being fruitful, but not because she, be, she, she gains the ability to bear, but rather through Messiah's labors, Zion is blessed, and he, uh, and he blesses Zion with with children. And so there's this glorious picture of the church coming into existence through the barren widowed Zion. And you have passages like Psalm 87 and Revelation 5. And so William Carey speaks of this offspring that is so numerous that you have to make more and more and more room for them to come into the tent. And that was his vision of missions was that the gospel would go forth and that there would be uh, men and women and boys and girls from every nation, every tribe, every tongue who would just continue to increase those who didn't come from Zion but were born through Messiah's labors. And one of the people that caught the vision of, of William Carey was David Livingstone. David Livingstone brought the gospel to Central and South, uh, Southern Africa in the 1850s, including Zambia. And so, by the way, they are very, very much aware of their Christian history. They know who God used to bring the gospel, how the gospel spread. They know their history. I wish um, we knew it as well. All right, so this, um, this was my fourth trip to Zambia, and that's, um, there were two other trips that actually were canceled, one because of brain surgery and the other because of a cholera outbreak. But if you notice, here is, uh, here is the continent, and then here is Zambia down there, and <clears throat> let's see if this works, okay, then what we have is, here's the nation, it's actually, it's on my shirt. This was a gift that they gave me before I left. And you might notice, it's broken up into provinces, all right? But you notice the Congo cuts right in through there. That's because when Europe was colonizing 
the continent, um, the uh, Democratic Republic of the Congo, which was just the Congo at that time, actually cut into Zambia because that the northern part of the country is incredibly rich with copper, a lot of, lot of resources. And so, um, the, um, so uh, Great Britain actually uh, colonized Zambia. And so you will notice that they have a very particular uh, way to, uh, to speak. They have a wonderful... Um, accent, but they also make sure that they they pronounce every syllable in a word. And so um, it's great that they speak English because I don't speak Bimba. So the purpose of these trips is to teach at two different colleges. One is the Lusaka Ministerial College, which is in Lusaka, just in case you were wondering. The other is, uh, is called the Copper Belt Ministerial College, which is right about there. You can see it. Maybe you can see it says Copper Belt right there. There's a little, there's a, there, actually it's the third largest city in Zambia. It's Indola. It's right there on the border. You can actually see the Congo from Indola. And that's where the Copper Belt Ministerial College is. So in my four different trips, I've taught the Old Testament prophets six times and the book of Hebrews twice. And so now what I'm going to do is just go through the slides, make sure you have some good questions at the end, and then I'll give you some prayer requests. So this dear brother has been a good friend to me since 2010. This is Pastor Isaac Makashini. And he pastors the Emmisdale Baptist Church in Lusaka, which was a church plant of Kabwata Baptist Church, which was a church plant of Lusaka Baptist Church. Um, do I have to point this somewhere, Nathan? Okay. All right. So there's, uh, there's Emmisdale Baptist Church. And um, some of you might remember that over the years, going back to 2010, this building has undergone incredible changes. Um, The very first time I was there, it was basically a foundation with no roof and no windows. Uh, And so they have built on over the years. That's where we held classes. I took this picture for Nathan because this this is their sound system. And um, I wanted Nathan to rejoice in what he has. That is um, the Lusaka Ministerial College Library. And about half of the books that are in there have come from us. All right. And so there's, there's two or three tables. The students go in there. Of course, it's a shipping container, so it's um, a little warm. I, I don't go to that library. And then uh, this was on the Lord's Day. I preached at uh, Emmisdale Baptist Church in the morning, and there's Pastor Makashini. And then um, some of these gestures are going to just be very familiar to you. All right, and so that's me preaching, obviously, or having a stroke, I don't know. 
so then, um, so then in the evening, I went over to Kabwata Baptist Church, which is a thriving, healthy church. And I don't know if anybody recognizes this fellow. <laughs> this, uh, this man is honestly one of the most famous preachers in the entire world. That is Conrad Mbewe, who uh, pastors. He's actually preached here twice. And um, he is a delight, and the church was an absolute delight. And then uh, the next day we started, and um, you, you basically start at 8.30 in the morning, and at 9.30 they have a breakfast break for 30 minutes. They, they, get, they take lots of breaks. And, um, and so the, uh, the women will actually prepare just all kinds of pastries and fruit, and uh, I don't eat the fruit. If you're visiting from America, don't eat the fruit. All right, um, and so just a great time of fellowship with the brothers, and there they are eating again. They love to eat. Um, I'll show you what they eat. It's not apple, or it's not um, hush puppies. Um, this is Stuart Zulu, and Stuart took a class from me in 2019. And then took the prophets this year. He is a church planting pastor. You get a good long look at him until this works. Okay, so I'm sitting there and I, I took an ESV with me. All right? What? Don't get so excited. There's only like three guys that had an ESV. I thought that would be the majority, and I said, I should have brought my new American standard, and Stuart says, I have mine. I go, I brought that. He goes, no, it's mine. (laughs) And uh, I don't know if Molly Nugent's here, but in 2014, we sent, I don't know how, how many, Suzanne, do you remember? We sent cases, and I took some, and we had Conrad take some, And this guy's been using that Bible for almost 10 years. And um, so I praised him for having the best translation in class. That uh, That is Benson. And so you'll notice that I very rarely will use their tribal names because I simply can't pronounce most of them. Uh, and so a lot of them take, um, take English names as well, as, as we'll see. This is Benson. He is the um, academic dean of the Lusaka Ministerial College. And then we had a long conversation. Oh, now this is, what's that? Oh, I skipped one. Oh, Okay. This is Hillary. And I couldn't understand what he said. And he goes, you know, you know, Hillary. I said, I don't understand what you're saying. He said, like Bill Clinton's wife. I'm like. (laughs) So he was a character, as, as as you can tell. And uh, very, very bright, though. Then this is, was the oldest student, Nabat. 
taking a Bible class at 78 years old. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was great. And so when I asked him how old he was and he told the 78, the whole class erupted in applause and, um, and honored him as the oldest student in the class. All right. One of the days, these three characters showed up. Those are guys that I've had in past classes over the years. That is uh, Zynga Banda. And that is Curtis. And I ha- can't remember Curtis's last name. It um, starts with a C-H. And that's as much as you're going to get. That is, that is Million Kumbaluni. And Million is, is great. He took... He took Hebrews from me in 2019, both weeks. He took it in Lusaka, then drove up to the Copper Belt and took it again. I told him, if you don't get an A, I'm never teaching you again. But these guys were all past students, and they heard that I was in Lusaka, so they came to visit me. All right, and so then, um, so there's Million. This is uh, Saide, and uh, Saide is a big, big guy. And years ago, I preached at his church when he first planted his church. And his church is going great, and, and they took me to a, uh, a very fancy restaurant, and I had a hamburger. Here's the class in Lusaka, and um, I don't know if you can tell which one is me. <laughs> but, um, and, and you have a whole age range. You have guys that are in their early 20s, all the way to 78. And you have a bunch of guys that are in their 30s, that are in their 40s, and they're all uh, learning. One of the things about Zambia is... Uh, they're, they're, they got their freedom from England in 1967. They constituted in their, in their constitution as a Christian republic. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody's a Christian, obviously. Um, and the word of faith movement is, is rampant. We'll talk about that in just in just a little bit. It's it's really stunning, frankly. Um, and so some of these guys actually have been word of faith pastors who have wanted to learn the Bible better, and so they know that they don't go to their school; they come to our school if they want to learn the Bible. And God has actually delivered many of these guys from the word of faith movement and brought them to, um, well, biblical convictions, all right? And so it's just absolute delight. And uh, there's, there's, the, um, there's the class. I don't know why Hillary's standing there with his Bible like that, um, but it didn't surprise me. <laughs> so then on, the, on my last day, I give them an exam, and the guys in Lusaka all pitch in, and then they gave me um, this, 
And it says, uh, Dear Dr. B. Borgman, thank you for your faithful ministry among us. The Lord bless you, Lusaka Ministerial College. So from there, um, so this, this was my last night in Lusaka, and that Friday night I get a text from Conrad, and he said, would you, would you mind if I came and picked you up and took you out for dinner? I said, well, of course I'd mind. I'm a little busy. I'm packing. No, I, I didn't say that. I said, absolutely. And, um, and he's just, he's a dear brother, and he's just one of the most down-to-earth, faithful, humble servants that you'll ever meet. And, um, I mean, one week he's preaching at the Sing Conference in Nashville, and the next week he's doing a class up in Kitway on, on African ethics for the Christian pastor. I mean, so he's just a wonderful servant of the Lord. By the way, they have a new, um, there's a, a new work, African Christian University, and it's about five or six years old, and they are offering master's degree courses, and the goal of African Christian University is actually, so they have a business school, they have an ag school, and what their goal is, is to infiltrate all of the infrastructure of Zambia as a developing nation with Christian leaders. So it's a great vision. So then I flew from Lusaka to Indola on a plane that you're not sure is actually going to get you there. But uh, this, is, uh, this is Grace Reformed Baptist Church in Indola. And um, right next door over here, uh, I'm preaching in the afternoon and I'm about 10 minutes into my sermon and all of a sudden you hear this blaring noise from the church next door and it is a Word of Faith church and there's only about a dozen people inside but it's so loud you can't even hear yourself think. And um, so I got through the sermon because I'm used to you guys misbehaving. (laughs) Yeah, this is the one that's up by the Congo. So uh, this is, I tell him every time I see him, that he is a true father in Israel. This is Pastor Cobway Cobway. And he has faithfully labored there for many, many years. I went into his office to wait for him And you might notice, I don't know if you can see it, there's a picture on his wall that is actually a picture of me from when one of the Zambians was here and took a picture of me in my office next to the Zambian flag, and Pastor Cobways had that on his his wall. And uh, he he is a wonderful, wonderful man. These guys, these guys work like you wouldn't believe. Even when Conrad picked me up for dinner, he says, okay, I got to get back. I've got a meeting at nine o'clock. I mean, they just go and go and go. Um, This building, uh, we actually helped build this with funds that we sent over over the years. These are the dorms. So when they have a module course, they have students that come in from all over. We had a student from Tanzania this year, and, uh, and so they will, they will stay there in 
uh, in those dormitories for the week during class. And so your giving went to went to that. There's me preaching at Grace Baptist Church. There's me teaching. Now, I'll give you a prize if you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Birdie? Oh. Oh, come on. It's not that hard. (laughs) William. You're, you're looking at the board, okay? Look at the hands. Yes. Oh, how long do I have to be with you people? Talking to him about the already and the not yet. Okay, all right. All right. Don't worry, I only did it. Now, I don't know what I'm telling him there, but... I'm sure it was good. Okay, so here are some of the students. They love, they love taking pictures with you. And so there is Samuel. And Samuel was the class leader, there's no doubt. There was his brother, David. I said, do you have a brother named Saul? They said, no. I was thankful. And his name is escaping me right now. Uh, that, this is Christopher. Christopher's taken classes in the Copper Belt every time I've been there. And he is 71 years old. He is, um, just, he's, he's very low. But he does his best to learn and he ministers faithfully in the prisons in Zambia. Okay, yeah. And then this guy in the end, his name, he told me his name. I said, do you have a nickname? He said, call me Love. So so I called him Love. Yeah. All right. And this is is Peter. Now, some of you might remember because Peter's actually been here before. Um, In fact, Ashley, I think he was at your 30th birthday party, right? And uh, Peter is is a PhD in construction engineering, and he teaches um, doctoral level classes, and he travels all over the place, and he loves loves to come to my classes when when I'm in town. And so Peter is just a great, great brother. He's really great. So I'm sitting there and I'm trying to find something on my computer um, for the next session. And he comes in and sneaks up behind me, plops down next to me and takes this picture. And so um, that was his. uh, Now this is Zynga Banda. And Zynga is a church planter that has a church that's about four months old. And uh, Zynga has taken um, this class before and the Hebrews class. This is Simon, and Simon was our Tanzanian student. Okay, and so he he was just a delight. He was he was very sharp. 
this, uh, this little guy, um, his name's Brian, and um, he's about six foot seven. Um, I asked him if he played basketball. He said, no, played volleyball. So Brian is, um, is a pastor also. A lot of these guys pastor in the compounds, and I'll, I'll talk about that in just a second. This is the lunchroom, and um, looks like the old Carson City Jail. <laughs> and then here is a class picture. And um, just a really, just a bunch of great guys. This guy right here is John, and he's been one of the elders at uh, Kabwata Baptist Church for, I think, 15, 15 years or so. So just a great group of guys. All right, so now on to the cuisine. That's fish. Okay. This is a leafy dish called rape. I don't know why. This is Nishima. I can't eat Nishima. It comes in bags. It looks like bags of concrete. It's cornmeal. It's their staple diet. They'll take that. They'll roll it up. I'm sure if Anna, is Anna here? She's out, okay. So all throughout the African continent, you have this kind of staple diet because it sits heavy in the stomach. And so they know that I won't eat any of it. And you know what? No one's ever been offended. They laugh and then bring me rice. Um, but the place I was staying at, oh here, oh, here they are eating lunch, all right? And they're eating, if you notice, he's actually got his Nishima rolled up, and he's dipping it in the fish and the, and the greens there. Um, this is where I was staying, um, not actually in that banana tree, but... Um, I, uh, I had to walk under that banana tree every time to my, um, my room, and I was deathly afraid of, um, of banana spiders falling on me. So, um, so my grandsons told me that I had to tell this story. So the first night that I'm uh, up in Indola, it's about two in the morning, and I've got to go to the bathroom. So I go in, I turn the light on, and I take a step in, and there's a spider right next to the toilet that's about this big with hairy legs. And I thought to myself, okay, well, I, re- I really have to go. And so I, I told the spider, I said, listen, you, you stay there and we'll be okay. And I took, I took one step towards the toilet and it ran at me. I, of course, ran out of the bathroom like a, like a six-year-old girl. And um, then I couldn't find it. 
And then I didn't have to go to the bathroom anymore. <laughs> so um, at the, the lodge I was staying at, oh, this, the lodge I was staying at, they had meatballs and rice. So I would order that, eat two meatballs, put it in my refrigerator and eat the two meatballs for lunch the next day. And that helped me avoid eating Nishima. I don't even like coleslaw, but I even ate the coleslaw. Um, These are the most famous cookies in all of Zambia. They're absolutely everywhere. And they're very creatively called Eat Some More. (laughs) What's that? Yeah, they're good. Yeah. Then um, here's Pastor Cobway. There's uh, uh, Twandi, who's an elder, and then David, who's an elder. And they, every time I'm there, they take me to this restaurant that is called the um, Copper Canyon um, Cafe or something. And it has... um, it's got Indians everywhere with big headdresses and it's, it's sort of like a Western theme. And so, yeah, 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 yeah. Feather Indians, yeah. And so they actually just have American food, which is awesome. And um, there are funny things in Zambia. So instead of uh, watch your head, they have signs that say mind your head. They don't want you honking when you come up to this gate. And so it's no hooting. (laughs) So they couldn't figure out why I wanted to take a picture of it. But (laughs) So this was my driver all week. And uh, Mac Ford, we would just say Macford. Okay, that's how we would, Right. But it's Mac Ford, and uh, he was great. You have to be skilled to drive in Zambia, believe me. They do not have the same sense of orderliness that we do. And so, um, and then they have stickers all over their windows. I don't know how they see out of their windows. And so they just drive, and it's not as bad as the DR, of course, right, Lisette? Um, It's a little better than the DR and about the same as China. This is the dean of the Copper Belt Ministerial College. This is Katongo. And uh, Katongo has all kinds of serious health issues. And yet he just labors tirelessly for the Lord. He lives across the street from the church. So he'll go home and take a two-hour nap and then come home, come back and just keep on working. And so this is when they took me to the airport in Indola. By the way, brand new airport. The last time I was there, it was, uh, it was a long dirt road to some shanty-looking buildings. And they have actually um, really... There's Pastor Cobway and there's Simon. But it was a very nice airport. 
And then, uh, then I flew to Lusaka, and Pastor Makashini came and saw me off, uh, and that was the trip. Is that the last one, Nathan? Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of tiny. All right. So before we do um, any, any um, I'll share requests with you, first of all, I just want to tell you, just thank you for praying. Uh, some of you assured me that you prayed every day that I was gone, and God answered prayer in a lot of ways, kept me healthy, didn't get sick once. Um, uh, I, I did break a tooth, but we didn't pray about my teeth, so just a reminder for next time. Um, but let me just, let me just share one, one really great answer to prayer that was, um, that was just remarkable to me. So I was going to land in, at San Francisco at 2, at 2 p.m. On, on that Sunday. And I had a flight from San Francisco to Reno on United at 4.30. Well, as you know, when you take an international flight, you have to go through customs. You have to go through immigration get your luggage, and then go through customs. If you know San Francisco Airport, the international terminals are way on one side, domestic terminals on the other. And so I thought, it's going to be close, but I think I can make it. If you've ever gone through an immigration line on an international flight, you know that they're never fast. So we're sitting there, and the flight out of Dubai was delayed by 50 minutes. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just, I'm, I'm telling the Lord, people are praying that I get home. You better do something. <laughs> and um, I'm, not a good, I'm not a good traveler. I get irritable. And um, so I don't wear like, uh, like an In Christ Alone t-shirt. Um, <laughs> um, and so we sat there and I'm thinking, I'm 50 minutes late. There's no way I'm going to catch that flight at all. And so I don't sleep well on airplanes. And so that is a... Um, 13-hour flight. And so the whole way, I'm tired, my teeth hurt, and I start to get grumpy with the Lord. Okay? I was doing what I've probably told you guys never to do. I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? I'm not going to be able to get home now until midnight. I wanted to see my grandkids. I wanted to get home. And I was getting grumpy about it. And I kind of fell asleep, and sort of in that halfway state, I find my mind complaining to God. You're the God of the universe. You couldn't let this plane leave on time? That's a medical emergency up in business class. I'm such a terrible traveler. I'm just like, get the person off. Get them out of here. Let's get going, you know? So 
we start our descent, and I turn on the screen that shows you where you're at, and it says that our landing time is going to be 2.05. I think it's a mistake. So I start paying attention to the mileage. I start paying attention to the altitude. I realize everything's moving. I'm like, 2.05? Lord, forgive me. I am such a moron. Why would I even complain about this? You're the God that can do anything. And so we land at 2.05, and I grab my my backpack, and I go running to immigration at San Francisco International Airport, and there's one guy in front of me. And so I go up, and... They don't give me the third degree. They're just like, yeah, go ahead. They look at my passport, make sure I'm not a terrorist, and then let me into the country. And so I run over, and I got to wait for my bags. A flight with 300 people or more, there's a lot of luggage. And I'm standing there, and I'm watching 10 minutes turn to 20 minutes, 20 minutes turn to 30 minutes, And so I finally get my bags, and I'm like, okay, I I don't think I'm going to make it. So I get my bags, and I run up to immigration, and I've gone through immigration before where they had you open up your suitcases and go right through everything. And he said, how much cash are you bringing in from the country with you? I said, $340. He goes, get out of here. I go through customs without waiting 20 seconds. So then I've got my bags and I'm running. I'm like, okay, I got to get to the domestic side, but I got to hurry because now I got to recheck my bags, right, to get on the United flight. And there's this lady standing there and she says, are you flying United? I go, yeah, but I didn't fly United here. She goes, oh, go over to customer service. They'll give you, they'll, they'll, they'll tag your bags for you. I look and there's nobody in line at customer service. I go over there. She goes, where are you going, sweetie? I go, I said, I'm going to Reno. She goes, oh, when I was in high school, we used to go to Reno. <laughs> and so she, get, she tagged my bags. I dropped them off with the guy. She gave me my boarding pass. I got there 15 minutes before we even boarded the plane. Okay. Right. And so God does stuff like that. Okay. And it's not just to mess with us, right? It's actually sometimes just to simply, you know, are you going to trust me for this? So thank you for praying. It's been, uh, it was a great, great trip. Of course, it was uh, difficult to be away from Ariel while her mom was um, suffering so much. But uh, just uh, take a few minutes for questions, and then I'll give you five prayer requests that you can take home with you. So any questions? Jesse. So the question is, why do I keep teaching the same material, Hebrews and the Minor Prophets? And that is because they have a four-year curriculum. And so I'm plugged in to those classes. All right? So that's... That's why I do those classes. 
over and over again. I love the prophets. Brian. Um, you were saying that, you know, how, oh, I'm not sure how many um, people are in the classes, but what typically happens after they finish the class? I mean, how do these people truly go on to minister, or are you seeing that they fall away and, you know, go more with the um, word of faith stuff? Yeah, you don't see, you don't see guys going from Reformed Baptist schools into the word of faith, all right? You don't see that movement. Um, we have had students that have um, been in ministry and then have disqualified themselves. That's wherever you go. Um, so, the, so I had 22 students in Lusaka and then 20 in Copper Belt. And everybody was either preparing for ministry or already in ministry. Every one of them. Yeah. Do they pay for it, or does the, the you guys pay, pay for, for it. it? Okay, so yeah, that's a part of our support. Yeah. yeah, there's no way they could pay for it. Just absolutely no way. Is there qualifications, educational qualifications that they have to meet, or what, how do they sign up? How do they even hear about this? What about the schools? Yeah. Yeah. So um, again. So uh, the Copper Belt has been around for a long time, okay. all right? And even though Indola is the third largest city in Zambia, um, the, the, the influence that they've had uh, as, a, as a college has been tremendous. But then also some of the most well-known pastors in Zambia are associated with these schools, um, Ronald, Ronald Califungwa, Cobway, Cobway. Cobway's like a legend, you know. Um, Conrad. And so, so a lot of it is word of mouth. They do do some advertising. But the student makeup will be between guys who, who live in houses and guys who live in the compounds. And what the compounds are, are these, these they're, they're the slums. They are uh, uh, basically um, unplanned, right? So no, no infrastructure planning. People just dig and do whatever, wherever. And most of them live in shanty shacks. Cardboard um, tarps are common. And you will have literally... Um, 100, 150,000 people crammed into a couple square miles. They are literally on top of each other. And that's where the worst poverty is. 60% of Zambia lives well below the poverty line. Um, And so you get guys that will come that are planting churches in the compounds. Okay. And so it's pretty awesome. Ray. How did they find you first start going over there? <laughs> How did they find me? Um, they wanted somebody that could teach the prophets. And so just through common connections, they'll say, you know, oh, yeah, Borgman spent seven years in Isaiah. Yeah, there, were, there are, um, there's a pretty good handful of American pastors that go over. 
They will have Zambian pastors that will take care of um, ministry-type courses because Africa is very different culturally than America. And so there are, there are customs and practices that are just the African way. And so if you're training men for ministry, you have to understand the culture that you're in. And so, so I would never teach a class, for instance, on ethics. That would be left for um, one of the Zambians, right? Yeah. So what does the women ministry, is there a women's ministry? What does that look like? What do the women do? Well, if you're word of faith, you can be an apostle or a prophet or a bishop. Um, but if you don't believe in that, um, you, you, see, you, just, you see the women serving. So it's like the, the lunchroom. You know, you just, you have women from the church that just show up and just, you know. Now, most, most women in Zambia, well, I, let me say, a lot of women, especially outside of the larger cities, will typically have very menial-type jobs. Um, they may be selling um, fruit on the side of the road or um, housekeepers, things like that. So, yeah. All right. Yes, in the back. Jimmy. Thank you. So is there anything that you learned or any way that you changed from viewing their culture? Like, like spiritually, like what did you like learn from their culture? Oh, yeah. It's, it, it's, it's really, it's a wonderful experience because they're incredibly happy people. Mm-hmm. They're incredibly friendly they, they, they love to talk to you. And so somebody, when I got back, an, uh, an, uh, a person who was an unbeliever, said, um, when you get back, aren't you just thankful for what you have? And I'm like, you know, that, that's like a common thing to say, right? Like, oh, I came back and I could, you know, watch the Rangers beat the Astros on cable TV. Um, and, and honestly, I don't even think like that because they don't have anything and they are way happier than we are. Mm-hmm. All right. So I don't look at it as like, oh, I come back and, you know, I'm thankful for all the stuff I have. Yeah, I'm thankful for air conditioning. I'm thankful that we don't have spiders that chase you. <laughs> I'm thankful. That, I mean, I'm thankful for that kind of stuff. But um, and I'm thankful for where I live. But I look at them and I see a happiness and a contentment. So Hillary's uh, brother died while we were in class. These guys are trying to raise enough kwacha to put him on a bus so that he can go from, from Indola to, um, to Livingston, right? And here are guys that have nothing. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, my wallet's full of kwacha. And so... These guys are giving, it's like the widow's might, and it's, it's actually just it's absolutely inspiring. Mm-hmm. So I gave him 300 kwacha. Yeah, I could totally see that with the worship, that they were just very Oh, yeah, happy. they're very happy. They were people. jolly. Yeah, yeah. Even with their little sound system. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by the way, everything's broken in Zambia, everything. Like even new stuff is broken. 
Yeah. Um, did I send you the picture of my door, Daniel? Yeah. So it's just there's open wires everywhere. I mean, it's, it's a hazard, but they're happy. So, yeah. by the way, 300 quatch is not that much. It's 20 quatch for $1. So. Wow. All right. Okay. Ashley Grace. No, Geneva doesn't. Oh, Geneva does. Why couldn't you eat the fruit? Because, <laughs> because it's washed with water, sweetie. And the last time I was there, I was staying at the Mbewe's, and Mrs. Mbewe, who's a wonderful host, gave me a cup of fruit, and I didn't, think, I didn't even think anything about it. And I finished the fruit, and I noticed the water sitting at the bottom of the bowl, and I thought, I'm in trouble. And you know what? I was a prophet. I was in trouble. <laughs> yes. Were you able to sing at all with the Zambians? Was I able to do what? Were you able to sing? Oh, yeah, because a lot of the songs, so they'll do tribal songs. And I love, so the, the one that they did where they're going around like this, that was a tribal song. It was in Bimba, which is one of the, like, five languages. It's the biggest uh, tribal language. But they sing a lot of songs that we sing. So the last one that was up, Are You Washed in the Blood? Um, and so they just, they love to sing, and I love just joining in when it's a, a song that I know. Yeah. I was wondering what the prevalent religion is in Zambia. Christianity. The, um, the Muslim population is growing, but it's growing, um, it's probably growing a little faster now than any time that I've been there. Uh, I certainly saw more Muslims in Lusaka and in Dola than, than before. Um, but so Christianity would be the official religion of the republic. And um, you, on a Sunday morning, you will see people all over the place in colorful clothes, walking to church in groups and singing together. It's awesome, right? Now, a lot of those churches are Word of Faith churches, um, and a lot of the Word of Faith churches are in the compounds. Okay? But you know what else is happening? China is building casinos in Zambia. Okay. All right. A couple more and then uh, uh, Melissa. Okay. Quick question. The Word of Faith movement, I don't know anything about it. So in a nutshell, do we have anything like it here? Is it based well, on the Bible? <laughs> One thing they do resent about America is that we export all of our bad stuff. Um, so the health and wealth gospel, the prosperity gospel, Name it and claim it. God wants you healed. God wants you rich. Um, and, and it's all based on what you give, the amount of your faith. And so here, here are the poorest of the poor being told God wants you rich. So, all right. Uh, what was the hardest word you learned? What? 
What was the hardest word you learned? The hardest word I learned? Well, I didn't, I didn't speak anything but English. Um, they would try to teach me some words, but it was futile. So, kambabubla, I don't know. I, I have... I have I, it makes it makes no sense to me. It, it does it like the, the, the syllables don't go together. All right. So one more there, and then Jesse, and then we'll pray. Um, were there different fruits there than we have here? And if there were, uh, what were the names of them? Fruits. Mm-hmm. Is that was that your question? So they have those little tiny like bananas for midgets. Okay. See, it, I would say, I'd say something like that, and they'd go, midget. And I'd go, yeah, like midget. And they'd go, ah, they'd start laughing hysterically. Um, so um, they, they love fruit juice. They'll drink fruit juice all the time, and it's usually guava juice. So guava's really, really common. All right? Okay, Jesse, and then we'll, I'll give you the prayer requests. Oh, thanks. Um, you, you did some guest speaking. You, did, uh, you preached sermons, right, on yeah. Sunday in front of the church. Yeah. What did you preach on? What were the things you focused on? So um, at Emmis Dale, I preached on Lamentations three nineteen to 24, um, Hope in God. In the evening at Kabwata, I preached um, Habakkuk three seventeen to 19. Um, if, the fig, if the fig... Tree fails and there's no fruit on the vine and so forth. And then when I was in Indola, they asked me to preach an evangelistic sermon, so I preached Romans 10, 9, and 10. And then in the evening service, I preached Lamentations 3, 19, and 21 again. Yeah, so. All right, well, let me just give you a few prayer requests. You guys have been just great. So pray for the churches. There are, okay, you ready? There are 63 Reformed Baptist churches in Zambia. There are four that are being planted right now as we speak, okay? One of the things that has been remarkable to me over the years is the unity that exists among the churches. But pray for continued unity because that unity in large part depended on those first-generation pastors who were friends and who got along together And now you have a second generation of pastors coming up, and young men can often be a source of trouble, especially when they think they are Athanasius or Martin Luther. So pray for that second generation to remain faithful to the things most assuredly believed. And pray for the training institutions. Lusaka Ministerial College, Copper Belt Ministerial College, and African Christian University, and pray especially for the impact of ACU throughout Africa. And uh, when I was there, uh, actually when I got back, uh, Conrad had texted me and asked me if I would start teaching at the ACU at the master's level. Because they're accredited, they need guys with higher degrees than... Um, than that, than what's being grant uh, the guys that teach with a higher degree than the degree level that they're teaching. All right, and so um, Ariel has agreed 
that I can go back as long as I leave her in Dubai for the week. (laughs) Pray that the word of faith movement would collapse. It's taking advantage of the poorest of the poor. There's a lot of syncretism that takes place. The most powerful person in the compound is the witch doctor or the shaman. A lot of times what Christianity ends up being is mixing together the voodoo, African voodoo, with Christianity or Catholicism. And so pray that the word of faith movement would collapse as it takes advantage of the poorest of the poor. And then pray for the men who minister in the compounds where the poverty is is really overwhelming. And when these guys have... um, a sick kid, they go to the witch doctor. They give their money to the witch doctor. The witch doctor sends them home with some potion or some spell. And, of course, it doesn't help. And so, in many ways, Zambia is a wonderful nation. It's a developing nation. But it also has massive pockets of darkness, just like we do. And so, remember to pray for these guys, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but it's encouraging to me in a country of probably a little less than maybe 20 million or so, um, 63 Reformed Baptist churches, four on the way, all right? Okay, well, let's pray together, and you can come up and check out my zebra if you want, and my shirt too, but don't touch me. (laughs) Father, we thank you that Jesus is Lord of the nations, and we thank you that Jesus is Lord of Zambia. And Father, we think of these men who labor. They labor for the gospel. They labor for the good of souls. And so, Lord, we pray that that you would empower them, strengthen them, provide for them, And Father, we thank you for just this little, little tiny bit that we're able to do. And we pray that you would multiply it. And we thank you, Lord, for every dollar that's been given. We thank you for every trip that's made by me or or others. And we pray that you would use these men mightily to advance the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. We hope that you were edified by this message. For additional sermons, as well as information on giving to the ministry of Grace Community Church, please visit us online at gracenevada.com. That's gracenevada.com.